Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Tom. I'm Joe. And this is Inside of Mind. Whether you're watching or listening, wherever you are in the world, we hope that this podcast can provide valuable advice on how to better deal with your physical and mental well-being. Now sit back, relax, and I can't wait to get into episode nine, which is going to be a part two, a follow-on from our first episode we filmed. How are you doing anyway? Yeah, good, man. Really good, thank you. Yeah. Um, it's a bit weird, isn't it, being in a different space, round two from yeah, the first like time it. round. I do, I do like it. This is yeah, this could be our that. new, our new spot to like like to it. film this in. But yeah, I kind of just wanted to start this off. Obviously, it's slightly spontaneous from us. We had a bit of a plan, and then we were going to do this episode anyway, further down the line. But we brought it closer. And November is obviously a tough month for people, yeah. and I thought there's no better time to to go on about what we talked about on the first episode, a bit about us, and a bit bit of a follow on, and how I think it was about four months ago now that episode. Oh, yeah. Mate, that's gone quick. Yeah, that's gone really quick. Yeah. But first off, just wanted to say, what's life been like since that episode? Uh, I mean, life outside of this world has been relatively normal. Work's been pretty good. Busy. Back into rugby now. Um, Otherwise, good. Like I think it's the introducing it to, which I'm not. I'm I'm completely alien to the whole podcast thing and and the chat show thing, which obviously we'll we'll touch on as well. Um, It's been pretty surreal. I think um, the feedback that you and I both got has been pretty cool from it. So. yeah, really, really weird, actually. I think I've enjoyed this, the experience of getting into podcasting, bringing the guests on. Uh, Matt thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, it's been uh, pretty, pretty surreal. What have you preferred so far, being a host or a guest? Oh, good question. Um, I found being a guest really um, therapeutic. I found the whole experience really cathartic. I got a lot from it, just personally. I enjoy getting to know the guests as well. I think I'm on the fence with that one. I think probably preferred being a guest for the experience I got from it, but then learning about the people we have on as guests has been really cool mm. as well. Cool. Um, yeah, I've really enjoyed being a, being a host, more than I thought I would actually. Yeah, mate, I'm, I'm kind of, I, I was obviously a guest on Matt's Make Time to Talk, and yeah. that's like a, it's it's actually so different. Yeah, like yeah. people haven't done a podcast before or hosted or been a guest. Like yeah. there's a massive difference between sitting there and answering the questions and then being the one thinking of them. Yeah, so true. And setting the structure. It's also nice to switch off from it as well. Like, I think being a, being a host, you're on the spot a lot of the time. You have mm. to sort of come up with a lot of stuff on, create the conversations whereas and i'm actually going on this podcast next month as well i'm not sure i, I, I told you yeah, about. yeah um i'm going on and um i'm gonna meet him and go down to i guess coventry um yeah i can't wait to get on that yeah, one that was a sick experience as well he runs a proper good podcast yeah. it's wicked yeah, I'm and he's it. very very good very good to learn from yeah. host wise yeah. he's been a massive help he's given me loads of ideas and stuff like that yeah. so you'll absolutely love that yeah awesome before we go too off topic i want to sort of run back to our first episode can you give everyone sort of a breakdown of what that episode was about if they haven't watched it feel free to go watch it'll be on the channel description but if they haven't watched it can you just give a brief breakdown of what we did um obviously i was i was guest number one um which seems a lifetime ago and it was basically covering anxiety and depression my journey with it and sort of coming out the other side of it and sort of my experiences my coping mechanisms and my life in general basically and you were sort of very gracious having me on and it's been sort of um it's been amazing since then actually and to go full circle and now become a, a host on the channel is a little mm. bit surreal but um yeah i absolutely loved it and obviously the, the episode went down really really well so for those who haven't seen it go and check it out um but yeah it was really really good mate really good at, at the forefront of it, it was kind of like a chat about depression mm. some of the problems you've gone through when mm-hmm. that was in childhood if yeah. i remember right yeah and that was quite like a vulnerable vulnerable chat and you mm. said it before it kind of was like therapy yeah and the question i wanted to ask you was when we're doing this when we're doing the podcast it, it really made me think because i saw that clip the other day about therapy it was mm. 
we're doing this to help other people but do you think doing this podcast is actually a bit of therapy for yeah. us yeah i feel so much better like talking like this obviously it's vulnerable you're putting your mm. life out there but after that chat i felt so much better even though i was hosting it it was just like it's funny i think fresh air. if i i would never envisage doing this maybe five six years ago maybe even two years ago i think since i started caring less about being judged by people for doing it i've my my walls have come down slightly Whereas up until maybe two or three, two or three years ago, maybe even less than that, I think I would have cared so much for being judged for what I said. But actually, coming out here and speaking so openly, I've the amount of people I've had that have said I feel exactly the same way as you, and I wish I was brave enough to speak up. Is I'm not just speaking on behalf of me; I'm speaking on behalf of many, many other people, particularly in men, which again we'll come to with the whole November thing. Mm -hmm. um, I'm speaking on behalf of so many people, which makes it worth my time. I'm, it's worth doing it because selfishly i feel better for it just to getting stuff off my chest and it's like a form of therapy for myself but also i have so many like-minded men and women as well who have said exactly the same thing as me they've said it's so nice to hear someone talk about it so openly and plainly and someone who on the surface looks normal and obviously we touched on that in episode one is on the surface you can look like you don't suffer with things and actually beneath it all you are really really battling so struggling uh, yeah. i guess it's a it's a win-win for me i feel better having come on things doing things like this and I can help one other person then even better mm -hmm. mate i absolutely love that yeah and why do you think you're more comfortable talking now do you reckon that's just a maturity thing with age it's a good question uh i think definitely maturity helps and i think also gaining perspective on certain things and i've had many many people help me with that journey all the way through from start to finish i think it's really hard when you're young you don't really have an identity and i think again coming back to what i said a minute ago is is caring so much less about what people think about me and i, I spent so many years caring way too much about people's opinions on me and i do to a certain extent now it does bother me but i don't really i'm not really that fuss about people not liking what i'm doing because they don't want to watch it they don't have to whereas i know that there are many many people out there who could benefit from it so that's what i'm thinking about so that the forefront of my mind is that people like me and I, what would i want to see if i'm a 16 to 18 year old lad who's really battling i would want to see someone who's 10 years older than me plus um who's been there got the t-shirt and who's day-to-day -day still struggles but i've been equipped with the the tools to be able to manage it better if that mm, makes sense yeah, and there are sure. granted there are days and i know you'll say the same thing is you and i aren't the finished article we, we've not come out the other side and we're not we're not cured you, you, you don't cure mental health you just learn to cope with it better and that's mm. that's the distinction for me is you're not just going to wake up one morning and feel great um particularly this time of year again we'll touch on it is people are really battling when it comes to this time of year and again around the november and change of the weather and that kind of stuff and yeah mm -hmm. like a difference have there been sort of any key like main lessons you've had where you've you've distinctly been like that means you know because it, it's hard it's mm. hard to not care what people think of you mm. and do you think there's any lessons you've learned from that sort of letting that go and mm. being like having the opportunity to be like i don't care i know i'm a good person and be secure in yourself what what sort of lessons have you learned from that I think I think certainly growing a thicker skin through years of allowing it to affect me, and I think one of the lessons that Nikki, um, my hypnotherapist, who I've not seen for a while, and and she taught me many many amazing things. One of which was, if you if you if you separate yourself from that situation and realise that nothing they're ever going to say or think is ever going to affect you in a negative way unless you allow it to if you can separate yourself from that and realize actually someone's opinion on me doesn't make a difference it doesn't affect me in any way so once i started to do that and it took a while um and certainly through methods that she she taught me is other people's opinions don't matter to me at all unless people i really know and love and my friends and family and loved ones are the only people's opinions i care about 
So otherwise it's irrelevant. Mm. Like, you know, my opinion on you behind closed doors wouldn't matter unless I told you your face. So allowing it to affect me is um, I'm losing everything and gaining nothing. So um, yeah, growing a thicker skin experience and uh, being a bit more mature, I think as well, definitely helps. I feel your opinion on me is all right. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. <laughs> yeah. In terms of therapy, what, what are the things you, we, t- we touched on hypnotherapy yeah. in the first episode. Yeah. I've completely gone blank. I know you did hypnotherapy with uh, Nikki Ancy. Yeah. And I, I've looked at being turned. That looked really, actually, pretty cool. Yeah, Obviously, she's awesome. cool is probably the wrong word because it's a stressful time. But mm. like, it looked really mm. useful what you were doing. What What other type of things does she teach you when you're doing that? Um, so she goes into a lot of how the brain works, and she goes really, really far back. She goes to far beyond your childhood, and she looks. She taps into the reasons why you are the way you are, and it's it's sort of. Um, looking at not just childhood but even your parents childhood she goes way back and she really sort of makes you think about things in a very much more deeper way rather than just thinking about the reason i am is because my parents got divorced it could be way further back than you've even thought of and she taps into all these avenues of things that may have affected you and you start thinking okay that's really really interesting maybe it's my mum, dad even as far back as my grandparents it's really tapping into your actual the, the dna and the structuring around your brain and how things affect you and um like I said earlier, giving the tools to be able to cope with anxiety or depressive states and but also being realistic with it and knowing that there are going to be certain days we're going to feel worse and it's just combating it and mm. coping with those things better. If someone, you know, is a bit too scared to go to therapy, like it's a, it's a scary thing, yeah. like you don't want to be vulnerable, you don't want to put yourself out there. Yeah. Sometimes you just like, when it was myself, I did go, mm. but there was times I was like, oh no, I can't do it. Yeah. What other advice would you would you sort of give to people who are at that stage? Would you just say, go and do it? Or would you say, find other avenues if it doesn't work for yeah, you? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'd say both. I'd say 100% trying new things is, is, it's like anything, right? You don't realize you're really good at sport, like rugby football is, is trying things. You know, when, when if I have, I'm lucky enough to have kids, I'll get my kids not just to try rugby, I'll get them to try everything. And if they don't like football, rugby, basketball, at least they know they've tried it. So I th- I'd say the same thing about therapy is that going and trying something, there's no harm in trying it. If it doesn't work for you, then you try something else. But equally, having a deeper understanding about what it is you're gaining from that. So talk about it beforehand with someone you trust, something like your mum and dad or your auntie, your uncle, your best friend, and get and sharing your thoughts on that before you try it, whether it be cognitive behavioural therapy or... Um, anything along along the, that therapy realm is trying it if it doesn't work for you don't stress try something else that does work for you and it's the same thing when it comes to coping mechanisms around anxiety or depression is you know if, if walking doesn't work for you swimming might if collecting stamps doesn't work for you you know anything all these m- minor things that to you and i might be menial mm-hmm. to other people make mean a huge difference so just trying things get yourself out there try things if it doesn't work for you try something else that does you just touched on physical exercise mm. towards the end. That's something that's been massive for both of us. Oh, what, yeah. What would you say? What would you say is your main thing? Which is like, would you say the gym's sort of your out for that, or rugby? Because I know you've just got back into yeah, rugby as yeah. well. Uh, it's a good question. I think um, it's a really, really good question. I think day to day having the gym definitely has um, been the best thing for me, and it, it comes into once something's even bigger than that. I think it's around my routine. And when my routine is broken, my mental health really, really declines. And that's something that I have been reliant on, probably too reliant on, is around structure and routine and having the gym in place in that is when I'm at my best, I think. And rugby, I think, is, again, we touched on episode one, is that, you know, coming on from that is my social life is quite limited. I'm quite quite limited social life. And I think I keep myself to my loved ones and my friends and family most 
and I don't really have much outside of that in terms of my social structure. So rugby is for me is a huge letter in terms of my um uh it's it's a let out for me in terms of like aggression and anger and pent up stuff through the week. And also it's a lot of my social circle revolves around that. So when that's taken away from me again, I'm in a slightly worse headspace. Um and so yeah, gym and rugby I think are the two main pillars for me in terms of keeping a level playing field mentally and having that physical and, and structure is the biggest thing for me for I, sure. I'm the exact same yeah. with rugby. What you said about like having that pent up aggression during mm. the week and it is sort of an out to mm. go and, you know, be with your mates for Yeah, massive. Mate, even if it's in the evening for a few drinks or even if, you know, you're in the twos or the ones or wh- whatever it is, mm. like being around an environment, whether it's any sport, not mm. just rugby, mm. is just like that's I always come back from a Saturday I don't think I've ever woke up on the Sunday and felt felt I felt sore, mm. not sore from playing, but yeah, I've never yeah. felt mentally worse. I think there's there's so much that can be said for young men in particular who aren't able to channel their aggression and they end up being really really angry young men with no way of channeling it. I think so much can be said for having like these boxing centres in the middle of London, for example, who have young lads who might have got a bit of trouble with the police or. Uh, look at Ellis Genge and Carl Sinclair, for example. Mm-hmm. Those guys have admitted that if it wasn't for rugby, they'd been a far better, a far worse place. Sorry. So, Ellis Genge, for example, he said he, rugby has been a huge thing for him in terms of getting off the street, getting out of trouble, getting involved with gang culture, all that kind of stuff around Bristol, where he was f- raised. That for me is massive. Is allowing these young men in particular to have a, an avenue down, like boxing, rugby, football, whatever, to channel that aggression in a calm environment where they're not going to get into trouble is it's huge. And I guess it's similar to you and I is, is obviously you know, upbringing slightly different and stuff, but I think mm. it's channeling that aggression that you might have pent up through the week or you're housing something from the family or y- your missus or whatever. And it's, it's allowing to channel that in a positive way. That's going to have a positive outcome on your, on your mental wellbeing. So that's a lot can be said for that for sure. Yeah, for sure. I yeah. think it also, instead of just being a channel, it also teaches you how to control your discipline. aggression. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Through discipline and, yeah. you know, resilience as well. And, Having that discipline to turn up and do something, mm. um, and in a way you're playing a high contact sport. Like I think people with rugby forget like how like draining it can be physically Absolutely. as well, and it's just having the control to not go crazy and mm. and channel it into something. That that's something I took into everyday life because you can mm. lose your head, you can see red, like every person does. Yeah, for sure. But it's being able to when you see red, control it and go in and I, I take that into my day-to-day life I take it into family problems i yeah. take it into relationship everything it's just being able to control that aggression yeah. is like that's something sport that taught me really early on actually which i'm actually so thankful for because i know a lot of people our age just can't control their aggression or they're on a night out and they're just always trying to fight stuff out. and it's <laughs> just b- being able to be like i could but mm. you know i might physically want to but i'm not going to yeah, and that's why i think being part of a team sport no matter we're just using rugby because we both love it and we both play it but any team sport i feel like feel like that's the same and being in that environment just helps yeah. helps my anxiety so much as well like like you said you were injured for the last few months that's just mentally takes a massive toll on you like you said cause you lose that social structure you lose your routine mm. and i was the exact same when i got injured my worst mental points were through that injury because I wasn't around my mates. I had no routine. I was lying in bed because I couldn't, couldn't walk some yeah, ankle and it just ruined me. Yeah, it's really tough. And you, people really take that for granted being in that sort of social environment. Mm. And ever since I've been back at Henley and playing down at Henley at the moment, 
my mental health is in such a great place in mm. terms of how I'm feeling after the weekend training. I train tonight, I train on a Tuesday, train on a Thursday. And like, I look forward to it. And it is one of those things where I think a lot of people miss out on that. Mm. They might not like sport, which is fair enough, but there's tons of other clubs you can chuck yourself into, whether it's like a debating club at mm. uni, you just got to find your people. Yeah, 100%. I, I think that's probably one of the most underrated things when it comes to mental health is being around people. They don't have to be your best friends, mm -hmm. but just having people there to listen, having people there when you are stressed to be able to not vent to, but be around to bring your mood up is just, I think I literally think that's probably one of the best things I've one, done for one, myself. 100%. Yeah, yeah. Spot on. Absolutely spot on. I think the next thing I wanted to talk about was we talked about Nikki Ancy before. Yeah. And Gabriella actually said something, um, who's behind the camera currently. <laughs> Hiding. Actually said something um, when I was at your house. Yeah. And she said, um, I can't remember the exact words, you said it so well, but it was on medication. Sure. And I asked her views on medication, on anxiety and things like that. Mm -hmm. And Nikki said it in a way where it's not to look at medication in a negative way, but it's to look at it as you're just replacing that hormone that your body can't create for the mm -hmm. time being yeah. and building it up. What's your sort of view on medication as a whole um, when it comes to things like anxiety and depression? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a place for it. I think um, what works for some people doesn't necessarily work for others, but I definitely think um, if you're in a headspace where you've tried multiple, multiple things, like you've gone down the physical exercise route or for whatever reason you can't do that, um, there's definitely a place for medication. I think it, it in my in my personal view, I think I don't think it should be a means to an end. I think it should be uh, a temporary fix to a, a more long term problem. In my in my opinion, some people will be on it for the rest of their lives, and there's there's a definitely a place for that as well. But I think the most people that take it are using it to fulfil something, and they're stopping something. So they're um, relying on it. Maybe is probably the what for better of a better word. I bet there definitely is a place for it. One hundred percent. I think whilst you're doing it, it should be this is fulfilling something that isn't there currently, but I also should be doing, trying other things to maybe um, fulfill that hormone, for example, and trying to find another way of finding it, more natural way of doing it, for example. Um, but yeah, there's one, one million place for medication that because it saved, it saved lives. You know, m many yeah, people would say they're sure. not here today as a result of having medication for like, you know, ADHD, for example, people would be heavily, medica heavily medicated for that. If it wasn't for those um, tablets are taking every day, they would be, off the scale they'll be able to yeah. function so there definitely is a place for it um in regards to anxiety personally i would say that whilst there is definitely a place for it is use it as a short-term stopgap and try and find those other methods that would work better in a more natural way of doing it to mm. get those happy hormones back find those endorphins and find yourself in a in a better place more naturally um but yeah definitely using them is a good thing what would you say would be the main things to look at like lifestyle changes you took yeah for sure yeah, yeah yeah i think they could be uh people can be quite suppressed when they take them and it whilst it sort of um you know either replacing or, or suppressing hormones it can it can really mess with people's sort of um uh yeah i, th I think you can rely on them too much and you can stop yourself from becoming physically active you can stop your social you know ladder it can be completely suppressed uh it can mess with your sleeping patterns so i think going back to basics in that sense and trying to get your eight hours of sleep a day trying to keep your social uh stay um you know st stay social you know keep your social climbing uh, climbing um and and 
being around those people who are going to be good for you, staying physically active, eating the right foods as well as massive, um, keeping those core values together um, and trying to find your ways around that rather than relying too much on that medication. Nutrition's actually a huge one. Yeah. I feel like that's really overlooked. Yeah, yeah. When I spoke to Sammy on the episode after you, so that would have been episode yeah, two yeah, before yeah. you on as a guest. Yeah, that was a good one. She was basically just saying, in terms of performance and mental health, like what you eat can just spike the hormones in your body mm. like crazy. And mm. if you are struggling with anxiety, if you are, obviously we're using anxiety and depression here because we, we've both gone through it. Mm. But just for that, watching what you eat makes a huge difference, whether mm. that's processed foods, um, and then all different things as well in terms of like inflammation I didn't realize, which is on the other end, which was a performance-based thing where you eat like these like little dried cherry things. Uh, I can't remember what the exact word for them was, but you have like cherry tart juice and all these different things okay. for inflammation. And I was just like actually quite shocked by it. Mm. I always knew nutrition was important, but I never knew like how much of a difference it could make. Yeah. And I've started eating a lot cleaner since then. I notice a huge difference. Oh, I'm not. I'm honestly not just saying that. Yeah, I yeah, really, yeah. really do. Because yeah. when I was at uni, I used to get a lot of takeaways. I mean, like you it just you just do, right? Like, yeah. yeah. Or yeah. or you eat rubbish because you're trying to eat on a budget. So mm. now I'm eating properly, and I have a bit of a structure and a routine to what I'm eating. I'm liking certain new foods. I'm doing the things she she suggested mm -hmm. on that episode. I feel pretty damn good. I'm not mm. gonna lie. Mm. Obviously, not perfect every day. Mm. But for the majority, I'd say 80% of the time, I'm feeling pretty good well, for that, the that, changes. That's the thing. I think a lot of what we're talking about and all the themes will, will port back to or revert back to, I should say, is is routine. So like if you're eating cleanly five out of those seven days a week, that's great. And you're doing more than most. If you're getting seven, eight hours sleep, five, six days a week, amazing. If you're moving five, six days a week, you know, having that routine in place just helps. So when you are working outside of those lines sometimes and you do... Again, coming back to our um, episode one in regards to drinking and the reasons why I don't is because I just it doesn't work for me. And that's why I've completely cut out mm. of my lifestyle. And for you, you'll, you'll allow yourself, I don't know you, you personally, I should say, is you allow yourself the odd night every now and again and it doesn't do you too much harm. Mm. But you allow yourself to because it's a nice sort of release and you have a good time with your mates and you can have a couple of beers and whatever. It's when you do it too often. I'm not just saying about you in general, but people mm. in general, is that's when you can get that decline and that's when you lose the sleep you start eating worse as a result of that. And then, then your routine is, is out of kilter again. Mm. And that's for me, I wouldn't allow myself to do that. It's because I need those things to stay in place and my mindset to maintain at this level. And if I allow myself to drop too much, I'll just lose it and then I'll spiral out of control. So I need that routine and call it control whatever you want, but I just need that. So again, it's it's a routine thing for me as well, for sure. Do you think your routine has changed now? November's come around and the clocks have Really is the clocks gone back or forward? Uh, they've gone, gone forward. Uh, so we've lost, we gained an hour, so they've gone back. So they've um, gone back, yeah. yeah. Have, has your routine, routine changed It's, a, good, from it's that? a really good question. So they've gone forward, actually. So <laughs> it's darker, isn't it? Um, I'm so confused. Yeah. I think everyone knows what we're on about. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's a really good question. I think I'm consciously trying to get outside wherever I can because um, seasonal affective disorder affects more people than maybe they'd care to admit. And maybe they don't, they're not aware of it. For, the, for those that aren't aware is when you get those daylight hours where it's dark from, I don't know, uh, it's pitch black all the way up until nine in the morning sometimes when you get to the really dark stages into December, January, is people whose moods are really affected by that weather change, whether it was colder, it's darker, not getting enough sunlight, vitamin D, um, their moods are really, really affected by that. It's quite hard to be around them because they just feel sad. You know, that's what the saying comes from, is 
I'm consciously maybe getting outside whenever I can. So I'm, I'm in a fortunate position where if I'm in between clients and I've got an hour to kill, rather than being inside session planning, I'd be outside listening to a podcast, whatever. Mm. Um, and I'd be outside getting that sunlight in. I can do that. Some people can't. And it's that's where it gets tough. Um, so certainly consciously, uh, I'm getting outside whenever possible. I think maybe during the summer I don't need to because it's it's sunny throughout the day and you're always going to get that sunlight in and get the vitamin D in. But um, I think that's the only change I probably would have made to my daily routine mm. is getting outside wherever possible because I know that it makes a big difference to me. Yeah, I feel like it's really affected me so far. It does. Like the actual having an hour mm. back or forward, whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. But like I really feel the effect because I... I'm someone with my ADHD where I, I need a routine. Yeah. I find it hard to stick to a routine. Mm -hmm. But honestly, even like the most minor change really messes with my head. Mm. So whether I'm getting up 10 minutes later, 10 minutes earlier, whatever it is, like it really screws with me. Mm. And having that go an hour back, the first few, I think I said this to you on the phone the other day, I was like the first few days of November when the clocks changed. Really tough. Yeah, I just, mm. I really was like out of sync. Mm. I was because like, I train in the evenings um for rugby so i gym around i get up around 6 a.m mm. to gym mm. at the start of the week but then i was getting up and it wasn't that time and then i was standing around for ages because i was getting up and it just like really put me out of sync yeah, and yeah. I, I find it interesting you said about the seasonal seasonal, seasonal affective disorder seasonal affective Sad. disorder because yeah. i reckon that's something i kind of have in a way because i really feel the effect of i know it sounds so silly but i do feel the effect of minute changes Wait, like the, that. the stats on it are nuts i mean there'll be people watching this at home going uh, that's really interesting because i've spoken to maybe four or five clients this week alone who've gone that's really interesting joe because you will people won't understand just how much it affects them until they start thinking about it and going actually that's funny because i, I this week i have felt a massive shift in me and it's not just to do with the clocks it's of course it's a result of that because it's so dark it's, you know five o'clock it's pitch black now and it's only going to get worse and into december january obviously we've got christmas to look forward to so that's mm. around the corner but when it gets to january people are really down people haven't got any money it's pitch black the weather's not particularly nice um it, it affects a lot more people than i don't know the exact stats on it but it, the, the the stats around people with um seasonal affective disorders is it's it's massive so again the people watching this now are going hmm, i'm not gonna look into that yeah because um it affects a lot of people, a lot of people. you said about um money there yeah do you reckon November's a really tough month for people because it's sort of the build up to Christmas? Yeah. Like money is tight for everyone at the mm. moment. I don't doesn't matter who you are, like it everyone's struggling. Yeah, for sure. Obviously a lot a lot more people are struggling than others. Yeah. But a lot of people are struggling with money. And having that financial sort of insecurity, yeah, which the majority of the UK population at the moment have, is just so stressful. Mm like just for your mental health yeah, but just yeah. in general as well because you take that into day-to-day -day life you take those stresses because it's constantly in the back of your mind mm -hmm. do you reckon november's notoriously a bad month for mental health due to like christmas coming up yeah people are preparing you want to do nice things with family friends like you, you do it's a, it's a great time of year mm. christmas mm. but i always feel like the build-up before these things when you're buying the presents and you're looking at your bank account like oh Mm. like i'm struggling a bit here that, yeah. that must be tough i i think it is i think it it actually it's worse because summer has been and gone and you know it's going to be a whole other year before it comes around again or sort of eight months at least so we know we're not going to get any decent weather for a good chunk of the year for the rest of the period like from here on in you know the weather's going to get worse before it gets better you know there are some serious expensive months coming up and almost, christmas is a time where you can almost paint over the cracks as well i think mm. people can use christmas as a bit of a sort of escapism 
and you know there's a there's a finite period where everyone's got off work where you get maybe a week or two off if you're lucky and everyone's happy and in a good mood but you know that period before and after it's really tough because you've got no money you're scrimping and saving for christmas anyway and a lot of people are really battling it particularly with a you know cost of living crisis mm. and you know that january's around the corner where the weather's at its worst there's not much to look forward to um and everyone's broke so i think it's that po- period before and after where like i said the weather's worse and it really really affects people hence why november is this doomed month that we are sort of now celebrating and trying to raise awareness around it to avoid those kind of things happening mm. do you um do you reckon at this time of year it's important to have a purpose in what you're doing and, and finding mo- not more of a purpose but finding that thing where you can in a way distract mm. yourself from problems going on uh i think so because i think people again people use summer as the uh, reason for getting in shape, getting active and stuff and mm. finding their purpose. And I think that's, again, what makes it harder is that people, once summer's been and gone, they're like, well, what do I do now? I'm, I'm sort of in this limbo period between here and New Year and I can sort of let myself go around Christmas time because it's that time where everyone does it. Definitely. I think it's, it's, a, it's a really good time to set some goals, uh, to um, set something for the year to come. It, the whole New Year, New Me thing is a little bit lame, but I think it can work for a lot of people. Um, and yeah setting those targets and certainly giving yourself a new purpose whether it be getting physically active learning to play the guitar um learning a new language i think those kind of things can be really really pivotal because it allows your brain a distraction from the the mundane everyday life and give you something really really cool to focus on and something that really generally interests you don't start reading if you don't enjoy reading actually reading about something that you're interested in specifically Mm. or whether it be wanting to learn a new language or want to go traveling or learn to play the guitar that you've wanted to do for years, do it. Pick, pick up a, a, a something that you really generally interests you and go for it mm-hmm. and you know see where it takes you. And that can make, go a long way to, you won't use the word distract, I think it could be a really sort of important tool to sort of give yourself a new focus for sure. Yeah. Mm. I read this article the other day from this guy called Monty Don. Mm. I put it on my Instagram. I, I don't normally do stuff like that, but it was an article in The Guardian and he's like a, how do I explain him? He's like a TV personality, yeah. like gardener, um, who's really struggling, struggled with his mental health. Yeah. So he went completely broke in 1987. And when I summarized up the article, which you know he spoke on and was written about him, he said these were five things which really helped with his mental health. He said, when you feel down, just do one simple thing, whether that's getting up, making your bed, going for a shower. What's your view on that first one? Uh... Yeah, it reminds me actually of the the episode where we came on and we spoke about the the little things, right? There's little, um, I can't remember what you, you referred to them or something. Small steps. Like the small steps, you know, these little mini victories that um, really good friend of mine, Troy, and I spoke about this many, many years ago. Uh, and he spoke about those little mini victories and he, he really resonated with him because he didn't do those things. He'd wake up and leave his bed unmade, for example. And I said, as soon as you wake up in the morning, first thing you should do is drink water, make your bed. And then no matter how bad your day is thereafter, you'll always come home to a made bed. And that for me was, it sounds so menial, but actually when you think about it, it's, it's huge because you always come back to a homemade bed that you yourself have done. Um, and that times 10 things through the day can really, really help you. And there's those many victories through the day when you are really battling that can make the biggest difference mm. for sure. Yeah. We've all talked, I think we've all talked about this. Um, we've yeah. definitely talked about this yeah. about if your room is a mess or my workspace is a mess, mm. that normally represents how I am in my mental state mm. at that point of time. 
which is I've, I thought this site probably about a year ago. That's when I was like actively yeah. making my bed every morning. Yeah. Whether I go and get breakfast first, come back and make it, I will always mm. make the bed. Like mm. it's it's such a minor thing, like you said, but it makes a huge difference. And mm. the times I leave it, like sort of leave it messy, and I leave my clothes around the room. My girlfriend, my dad, my mum, mm. they always seem to point out whenever I do that, that's when I'm in a bad headspace or that's when I'm stressed out or I've got things going on or things are going wrong with the podcast yeah. or things are going wrong in my personal life. Mm -hmm. Whatever it is, th those tend to be the times. So now I do actively yeah. go and look to do that. Yeah, it's particularly in things like ADHD is that you need those sort of focal points around your life to really to, to help. Um, so things like uh, the saying is like tidy room, tidy mind thing. It's really reflected um, in, like you say, in your everyday life. So if you are doing those things, it really reflects on personal relationship or, and, and, and your work as well will be better as a result of that. And coming back to what I said earlier is if you have had a really, really rubbish day, at least you've made your own bed and you've come back to that and then it's the start of a new day the next day. So Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Right, his second one is, on. keep as busy as you can as it stops you dwelling on negative thoughts. So that's quite interesting because whilst keeping busy is great, I feel like you can, I agree and disagree because I feel like keeping busy, which I'm very, very guilty of doing sometimes and running away from the problem. So, Oh, interesting. So if you're, keeping busy to distract yourself, I think that's wrong. If you're keeping busy to better yourself, that's the best way you can be. So as long as you're doing it for the right reasons, I think definitely keeping busy is amazing, 100%. And s sitting there dwelling on bad things is definitely not a good thing. However, bettering yourself and keeping busy to, to better that bad thing, then yeah, 100%. Do you reckon keeping busy on the stuff you arguably don't want to do? rather than, like you said, just running away. Yeah, and I, I, again, the only reason I know that is because I used to be guilty of it, is I, yes, I, was, I would uh, fill my day with things pretending to be busy. So whenever someone would ask me, I'd say, well, look at all these things I'm doing, but actually I'm not doing anything. I'm just filling that time with complete nonsense. It's not, um, I'm getting no fulfillment, fulfillment out of it, and it's not bettering me in any way, shape, or form. So if you're, if you're busying yourself with things that are gonna make you a better person or make your headspace uh, a better place to be, then you should definitely be doing it. Whereas if you're doing it to run away from that problem, there's a huge difference there, albeit on the surface, it might look the same thing. Why do you think you did that? I think I was in denial about having a problem. I think for a number, number of years, my, I don't know, my mum would ask me how my day was. And I'd say, yeah, really good, thank you. Like I've been so busy with doing loads of things. And actually in that day, I'd done absolutely nothing. And I think I was, one, wanting her to make her proud, not wanting to admit to the fact that I wasn't, uh, fulfilling anything I, w I was basically i i considered myself a complete waste of space that wasn't worthy of it so i would just say yep i'm really busy doing i don't know anything and i hadn't been so i think i was partly in denial so when i was able to sort of recognize the fact that i wasn't in a great headspace and i needed to fix it i was able to go okay you know, I, I should be filling my day with doing positive things and not just working hard but allowing time to spend with my loved ones my friends family and going to the gym and being productive with it rather than sort of putting blocks in the way of actually helping myself yeah mate that's very very relatable mm. how i felt as well i think it is and I, since i've started talking about it is the amount of people i've had message me on the back of it going it's actually amazing how many people can relate to that situation and that maybe those who are still doing it now who maybe don't want to admit it and maybe a wake-up call for a lot of people out there as well. I think it's more just like, in a way, raising awareness around it as well, mm. is sometimes you just don't notice you're doing these things mm. until someone points it I out. Didn't. I like didn't. The way you explained it then, 
pretty much exactly how I felt. Yeah. And I did the exact same thing, but I didn't really know how to explain it until mm. you just said it. Yeah. But I, I think procrastination, a lot of people, that's a, a lot of, it's a key, key sign. If you have a loved one out there or your partner or whatever, and they are ticking those boxes, it might be worth digging a bit deeper and actually seeing what the cause of that problem might be. So for, for me, I was in denial for a very long time. And, and until I realized that I was, after that point, it was like clarity. I could see the bigger picture and I felt far, far better for it. Mm. So yeah, 100%. I'll get on to the next one. He said, do things that make you feel successful and also to praise others to make them feel successful. That's interesting. Um, I guess I guess we touched on it back on the previous point. I think, um, yes, to that one. Yeah, in, in, a, in a word, 100%, I agree with that one. And I think um, we can spend a lot of time focusing on ourselves. And I think since doing this podcast, certainly is I get so much joy out of knowing that I've helped someone through this. Yeah, same. Even though selfishly I'm enjoying it as well. Like I'm getting so much from just airing my stuff, I guess you could call it. And if I can help one person, 10 people, 1,000 people, it doesn't really matter. I'm allowing them to heal in some way and, and make it relatable because I know you're the same. Is Growing up, I didn't see anyone on TV or on my social platform that was any in any way relatable. No. This is the whole reason behind you and I doing this is that people can see it and go, you know what, I relate to that so much. And coming back to the question is praise is huge. I enjoy helping other people, which is again, why I do what I do for a living is helping someone makes me feel good. So I guess it's selfish in some way that mm. I'm, I'm getting something from it as well. So yeah, so praising someone else is massive. A two way sword, isn't mm. it? It's just, we're, we're finding it great helping mm. people like that. That's, that is the main reason why I sort of started this and now you've come on as well because mm. you feel the same is mm. there was no one we could relate to. Mm -hmm. Well, in my opinion that there wasn't when I was going through stuff it was just looking at people who were also struggling and being like you're nothing like me like mm. maybe people like myself just don't have these problems mm. and that's the headspace you're in when you can't arguably think straight and you're not thinking clearly which yeah. I definitely wasn't I was doing yeah. some very questionable things when you look back at it but you're, you're in that headspace where you, you just don't have the ability to think straight and knowing like obviously you might not relate to us but knowing we're c we've gone through it and mm. we are going through these things mm. if i knew that at the time when i was 16 17 you know hormonal years as i as i always say it's mm. just that i think that would have just given me peace of mind 100%. and and it's just it's nice that we're in this position now where we have gone through this stuff mm. and we can help people Mm. and whether you take our advice or not even just listening and just mm. knowing you're not alone mm. is just i think that's just one of the main things is having the ability to to help people and know you're not alone through something can just change someone's mindset yeah. completely right well said yeah spot on right i'll carry on with this the fourth thing you said is to be outside and be in nature right yeah that's what you and i preach mm. week in week out isn't it i think um i didn't really uh, appreciate how much I gain from being outdoors and in sort of uh, nature I guess you could call it from that one is walking for me I didn't really appreciate how much it did for me until I actually saw your video on it and that's actually that you were having a really really bad day you went out for a walk made your bedroom and that literally fixed the rest of the day for you and that was a bit of a actually that's so true and many many people could relate to that is just being outside even if it's for 10-15 minutes mm. this whole thing of you have to get 10,000 steps in a day for me is nonsense. No, I think just by being outside, if it is yeah. for 15, 20 minutes, you know, cause not everyone has the luxury of being able to be out for hours on end. So particularly around this time of year, 
if you have a lunch break and you have an hour, take it. Go outside, 15, 20 minutes. Yes, of course, if it's you know teeming it down with rain, it's going to be difficult. But get your umbrella, walk. And you just be being outside, it makes a huge difference. And your productivity and the levels in the afternoon, I can guarantee will, will improve. Mm. Like, mark my words, your productivity around that will improve. Because if you're in front of a screen for 10 hours a day, sometimes more than that, by the... Seventh, eighth, ninth hour, you're a zombie. You're just staring at the screen, not even realizing what's going in. So if you can break that up somehow, uh, I can't recommend getting outside enough, especially this time of year. This last one, which I, I really liked, but I'm going to say a few facts first before I do. Mm-hmm. So men aged 40 to 49 have the highest suicide rate in the UK. In 2021, there was 5,583 suicides registered in England and Wales. 70, 75% of those were men. The highest rates were with low-income households and war veterans. And to go back to it, his final point was to have hope and be resilient through the darkness. And I think that's a really important point is a lot of these people feel like there's no out and they've lost hope and they've mm. lost their purpose. Mm. What advice would you give to someone who in a way, has lost their hope and their purpose. Obviously, it's, it's so much. It's, it's easy to say, but it's, yeah. it's hard to actually go and do. If you could give a piece of advice, what would that be? Um, oh, that's a really good question. Um, my advice to those who genuinely feel they have nothing left is, if you feel like the only way out is to take your own life, is the problem doesn't just go away if you do. The problem is passed on to those around you. So if you can find someone or something that you can really confide in and know that you're never, ever, ever going to be alone, and it doesn't matter how, many, how often you think you're going to be, and there are times where I did, is seeing the light and clinging on to those people around you who are showing you love is to let them in rather than bl- blocking them out. And I think, I think in men it's so easy for us to sort of block those people away and not let people help you is be okay with receiving help and know that you're never going to be alone there's always someone out there who wants to listen and wants to talk to you which i think is men are we're slowly getting better at doing i think we are getting better yeah i think so slowly i think yeah i think it's just it's a new generation isn't it it's a generational thing like my parents generation you just you don't talk about Mm. how you feel but i like the idea of you know people are opening up even if it is older people i talked to someone at my rugby club the other Mm. day who was in he's in their 50s i won't Mm. say his name but even he started talking about it with me and I was like, it's nice to know that people, you know, even if they are 50 or like when it said there, the highest rate is between 40 and 49. Mm. I mean, that's 20 odd years away for me. And that's that's quite scary in a way because you don't see a lot of 40 to 49 year olds talking about how they feel. Mm-hmm. And I just hope, you know, by doing this for us or raising awareness or whatnot, that, that number when we look back at it in a few years, is dropping Mm. and that's the main thing for me is just having that quantitative data and knowing that it's going down every year yeah i think that's probably the most important thing i think what i can definitely take away and i agree with you is what i can take away from some of the guests that you've had on one of whom was um was alex i think we can definitely raise awareness around it and say that it's okay to to not be okay and that it's not the man up it's speak up and all this all this cliche stuff actually is but also creating a, a, a generation of men who are resilient to it, not just speaking out about it and then mm-hmm. what do I do now? I think we're, we're in danger of 
creating a generation of young men who are just deemed snowflakes and can't handle their emotions yeah. and being being of course open about it but actually what do you do then i think it's and you know we spoke about it in, in a few podcasts ago is that we don't want to just create men who are okay talking it's it's giving them the resilience to carry on once they've spoken about it and and giving them the tools to to be okay being okay with their emotions but also not being soft and being men and yeah. and that, there's, there's a real fine line there and i'm glad we're coming away from the sort of the man up thing but at the same time we need to create a, an era of men where um being at one with your emotions but also giving the resilience and the fortitude to, to get through the tough times and stick it out yeah, yeah completely agree and this is another factor to go lead on to because you said about um young men is mm -hmm. suicide was the second leading cause for death in the u.s for children ages 10 to 14 Mad. and i think that's just like yeah. gutting imagine mm. being 10 to 14 and feeling like you have to take your own life yeah. and that being the second leading cause in the u.s i'm gonna guess that's due to cyberbullying that could be down to social media their hormonal years all the above but again like you said it's being able to speak up about these problems but also being resilient enough mm. to to stick them through and that's so hard at that age to do something like that mm. but i hope again like i keep saying is people can see this and be like they stuck it through maybe i can stick it through mm -hmm. and i think when i read that i was just i just felt gutted yeah i lit up i was like don't know it's just it's made me feel a bit weird now you know, the thought of like a 10 year old having to take his own life yeah. and it's just i don't even know how to put it into words to be honest i think yeah. it's just imagine what the parents have to go through and what that child has gone through to get to that point it's just it, it's crazy but i completely agree about building that resilience building that determination to push through the tough mm. times whether it is cyberbullying, hormones the um social media mm. getting hate on social media or getting hated by your looks because you feel like you have to look up to people mm. you have to be a certain way and i think just as a whole society is w is waking up to it yeah but i'm just in a way i'm sort of excited to see these numbers in a few years time and i'm praying yeah. i'm just generally praying yeah. that those numbers have dropped because yeah. i've lost friends to suicide and that just like always is in the back of my mind when we do these things yeah. and it's how we can help people but those yeah. numbers are, crazy. are awful to see aren't they i wanted to end it on um we got two questions i know you got a question um and we get tons of questions tons of topic areas that we go through when you put polls on your instagram yeah. but one of the ones that i saw and i think it sticks on the point of men's mental health was on our tiktok page mm. and you said that it was on one of the videos that you did um where you were talking about november as a whole mm -hmm. And she said, how would you say as women, we can support men and their mental health? And I thought that was a great question. Yeah. And I really had to think about it. I didn't reply for like an hour. Mm. I spoke to Meg about how she helps me with mine. Meg's my girlfriend, if those of you who don't know, and how she helps me with what I'm going mm. through. What would be your response to that? It's, it's a really, really good question. I think it's, it's really difficult because I think, again, we're in an era now, and this is going to be quite controversial. I think we're in an era now where women are chastising men for approaching them because they're being creepy and also in an era where they want the door open for them and they won't approach men so we're in an era where like young men and women really aren't dating because men are scared because they don't want to be deemed the creep and the this that and the other and i think communication is massive 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 thing and i think 
young men are sort of damned if they do and I'm damned if they don't in this in this day and age. And I'm, I'm glad that I'm not in that era, mm. to be honest with you. I'm glad that yeah, I'm sort I'm of I'm past that. So it's really tricky. Um, and there's no identity around young men anymore and they're not allowed to be one because seemingly being a man is like a crime now. And I, I, I hate it. I, I see it all over social media. I think it's so anti-men. So we need to get away from this rhetoric that all men are poisonous, horrible people there because they're not like... Um, uh, but to answer your question, I think that the way is to understand men better rather than just um, pigeonholing them into this, um, you know, animalistic state that they think that all young boys are, which is just not the case at all. Um, I think it's learning to understand and listen and trying to communicate better with either your partner who you think might be battling and stuff or, um, yeah. Hmm. yeah. What I replied to that, actually I'll pull up what I replied to that. Because I spoke to Meg about it and I wanted to see her point of view. Mm. And I asked her what she kind of does when I'm in a bad headspace. And I never really thought about it before asking her. And um, she was saying how sometimes it's best to just listen. Mm. It's You don't need, like with myself, sometimes I do just need to vent and I don't want to put my problems on her. But she said, just sitting there and listening, not trying to solve your problems, but just like being a voice and letting in my See, what's interesting what you did there as well. You said you don't want to put your problems onto her. You wouldn't be. Yeah. So if she, if she ever said to you, I don't want to put problems onto you, Tom, your response would be the same. It'd be, well, you're not, because your problems aren't my problems. Like, just by listening, you're allowing that space for it to be completely accepting and creating a safe space for you to vent all your problems onto her, which you wouldn't be doing anyway because they're not her problems. She's just allowing a safe space for you to talk and listen in the same way that her problems wouldn't be yours. Therefore, no matter how many times she vents to you about her issues, whether it be at work, her family, because they're not, they're not your work and they're not your family. So you're not going to feel more run down because of it. You're not going to feel like, oh, here we go again. If you love that person, they can talk to you all day and vent to you all day about their issues. But ultimately, if they're able to do so, that's half the battle. Is, and I completely agree. It's being able to listen. Just listen. and don't, You don't have to have an answer. Just listening to it because just getting off your chest and talking is half the battle. That's, that's, that's what they're there for. Yeah, that was the main one. And she also said being patient and being present were the other two. Yeah. And that was something that Alex Bowen said on his thing. He was like, be present in everything you do. And when she said that, I was a bit like, yeah, Yeah. she's she's there. I'm I'm the same. If she's got a problem, I'm there. It's not, oh, I'll I'll call you later. It's Mm. I'm there for you. Mm. And I know that if I do have a problem and I do need to talk to someone, Mm. She's always there, and well, I'm always there on the other side yeah, as well. 100%. Any time of the day, if she has yeah. a problem, I'm there. Yeah, and yeah. I think that really ties into one of the questions that I definitely took away is from the 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 chat show ideas. Is that someone and, and few people, I think three or four, asked the same thing: is identifying anxiety in a partner. And I think that was one that I definitely took away, and I was that's a really really great question because we we talk about ourselves having it, but we don't often talk about the other person in our lives having to deal with it. I say deal with it really loosely is tying into everything that you just said is allowing time to listen and talk and um, creating a space in every day or a couple of days a week or a couple of hours a week, just the the two of you where you can just talk about your week, you know, talk about the good things and also the bad things that happened. And you can talk about how you can improve it, how you can do it differently next week and how you can, and you're doing it as a team. You're not, it's not a solo war like you're, and that, allows you to do it with your partner in crime the person you know you can trust and lean on and you can really sort of 
air your problems to with no judgment and it allows complete freedom to be able to say as much of it as you want to knowing that you're not going to get judged or chastised for it and you can do it together and that makes that makes everything so much easier right, when you've got someone to help you with it Mate, yeah. couldn't have said it better myself awesome man Thank you.